Uh, one of the things Marin, my wife and I enjoy doing to relax is to pump through large amounts of seasons of TVs. Uh, we've gotten really good at sort of smashing a season in a very short amount of time, which is really fun, but we're left with the dilemma at the end of each season, and that is we have to wait for a whole year until the next one comes out. I don't know if you relate to that problem, but the problem is lots of the seasons end on this massive cliffhanger, so you've just got this uncertainty in your gut for the rest of the year as you wonder, did my favourite character die? You know, are, they, are we going to war? Uh, it's, a, it's a way that a lot of TV shows help to hook us in, uh, to drag us back next year to watch the next season. One of the shows uh, that I really enjoy is Person of Interest. Uh, one of the things I really enjoy about it is that it doesn't do this. Uh, it's really great. At the end of each season, it concludes for us nicely. Uh, sort of the main problem, the main issue for the season is done with. Uh, and so I can live satisfied for the next year as I wait for the next season to come out. Uh, it's quite nice. But they always leave you with this, this little teaser as well. Uh, so you sort of know what the big resolution is. But there's just this little thing that you're like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next season. And so you come back. Uh, you're not sort of left in uncertainty, but you come back for more the next season, eager to find out what's happening. And so this is sort of how Deuteronomy ends. Uh, we're not quite at the end of Deuteronomy this week in 18, but the end is coming. Uh, and to give a bit of a spoiler, Moses dies at the end of Deuteronomy. Uh, and he's sort of his side, Joshua, leads the people into the promised land. And there they live as God's people. Uh, but importantly, uh, Moses didn't leave us with this massive cliffhanger of what to do after his death. He has prepared Israel for life without him. He has prepared Israel for how they can live as God's people without Moses there mediating between God and man. Uh, Moses just spent the last three books before Deuteronomy. Uh, we'll get to see two of those in a few weeks, uh, Leviticus and Numbers. Uh, and Deuteronomy itself explained the law to them so they know what it means to live as God's people in their new home, how they're supposed to live, what they're supposed to do. So they're all set for living faithfully with God. Uh, and yet this week, Moses gives this little teaser uh, that there's still going to be someone who's going to come and uh, who's going to change everything. Something bigger and better is yet to come. So our passage this morning deals with the present reality of what Israel are going to face when they get to the land, how they are to live as God's people in the promised land. And uh, it also gives Israel this little, this little taste of what is to come. So Moses begins uh, with dealing with life in the land without empower Israel to relate to God. Uh, be helpful to have Deuteronomy open there with me. Uh, read verse chapter 18, verse 1. The priests who are Levites, indeed the whole tribe of Levi, are to have no allotment or inheritance with Israel. They shall live on the offerings made to the Lord by fire, for this is their, that is their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. Uh, the first thing we notice is how Israel is to be set up when they enter the land. So the, the 11 other tribes, besides the tribe of Levi, they all get the bits of land uh, that, that, that's their inheritance. Uh, whereas Levi has been given a special job, uh, the tribe of Levi, they're the priests and the servants of God. Um, so rather than getting land, they actually get God as their inheritance, uh, which is a pretty sweet inheritance. Uh, so for the other 11 tribes, their little bit of land is how they're going to live. Uh, that's where they live, but it's also how they live. So they have their farms on there, so they get their meat uh, and their grains, uh, and also their clothing. Whereas Levi didn't have that. Uh, they weren't given land to grow to grow food on. Uh, so their inheritance was God. Uh, so they lived by uh, living off the, the offerings that the other tribes gave sacrifice to God. Verse 3 and 4, the idea is expanded. This is the share due the priests from the people who sacrifice a bull or a sheep, the shoulder, the jowls, and the inner parts. You are to give them the first fruits of your grain, new wine, and oil, and the first wool from the shearing of your sheep. 
Uh, see, because Levites uh, have the inheritance of God and they're there to serve God and do all the priestly stuff and the temple duties, uh, God is their inheritance and so they're to live off him in a very physical sense, uh, eating what is given to God and so in that way God is producing their living for them. Uh, but the big thing to notice about what Moses is doing in this section is who he's speaking to. Uh, you'll see there that he's, he's speaking to the other 11 tribes and not actually speaking to, Israel, to Levi. Uh, this is because Moses is helping them understand what life is like in the land once he's gone. Uh, he's helping them understand why the Levites get to eat his, their hard work, uh, why they get to bludge in the temple while the others work out in the field. And that is because uh, the Levites are the ones who will help maintain the relationship between God and Israel once they get into the promised land and once Moses is God. Gone. Verse 5. For the Lord your God has chosen them and their descendants out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the Lord's name always. See, the Levites are key for Israel to continue living as God's people in the promised land. Uh, the Levites were to be there as mediators between God and with Israel, uh, mediating according to the laws that we've seen Moses has given them. Up until this point, uh, Israel have had Moses uh, as he led them out of Egypt and he's been mediating between God and Israel on their behalf uh, ever since they sort of came as a nation. So this section is helping us understand the role of the Levites. And they've kind of got a dual role. They're kind of acting as both the judge over Israel and also as the lawyer uh, when they're interacting with God and Israel. So say we've got our hypothetical Joseph Bloggle uh, heads down to his local Kmart. Uh, he accidentally buys a shirt that's a cotton polyester blend. Uh, we all know that you can't have a, a shirt of two fibres. So he realises he's in trouble. And so he heads off to the Levite to help him sort out what's going on there. And so after consulting with the law of Moses, the Levite sort of comes back to Joseph and says, mate, you've got to go uh, grab, a, grab a pigeon and we've got to sacrifice that to God to make you right. So at that point, he's, the Levite is acting from God's behalf, sort of judging this man, telling him what God expects uh, and how to live rightly in the land. So then Joseph goes away and gets his pigeon and comes back to sacrifice it to God. And so now the Levite acts on his behalf and mediates from the man to God uh, by sacrificing that. And so it's through the Levites uh, in the land that God is enabled to be uh, have a relationship with Israel and that relationship is sustained. Uh, and so this is the big point from Moses here. This is why the Levites are to get uh, a bit of all the sacrifice from the rest of the tribes because they are the ones that are there to maintain this relationship between God and Israel. Uh, this helps us understand that once the season of Moses' life is gone and we get this new season that comes out uh, in the promised land, uh, how Israel are to relate to God. Uh, and it's great. Uh, the law and the priesthood have all been set up and so Israel now have enough uh, to enter in the sort of promised land to live faithfully under God's word. Uh, they don't need any more. Uh, they don't need to know more stuff from God at this point. They've got all they need. Uh, but like uh, we all do when we're sort of waiting for new television series, I don't know if you do it, you sometimes have a quick Google uh, to suss out if there's any sort of things to find out what's going on. Uh, and that's a big, a big temptation for Israel as they enter into the promised land that Moses is going to deal with. Uh, how do you go about finding out more information? Or rather, how do you not go about finding more information concerning God? Uh, so verse 9, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. 
See, Israel are about to head into and dispossess some nations uh, that haven't had God reveal himself to them. These nations search for after the will of God or some being uh, in all the wrong places. So as Israel entered the land, they were strictly forbidden from partaking uh, in these other places and looking in these other places. Uh, they're not to use these other methods that the nations around them because uh, they already have the law of God and they have the Levites uh, to know how to mediate their relationship between God. Uh, besides that, uh, these practices that the nations are doing are simply horrendous uh, and they're ineffective. They're ineffective because they're trying to communicate with a God who's not even there, uh, but they're just pure evil, aren't they? Uh, to sacrifice the life of a child... Uh, it's just disgusting and it's evil. Um, the other methods they often relied on with sorcery and witchcraft, uh, it's just all the wrong way to go about talking to a good God. They all rely on evil spirits uh, and things. Uh, it's just disgusting. It's definitely not how God wants Israel to relate to them. And um, So they are evil and they're not to do these things. And the point of the section isn't even that they don't work. Uh, we see in the Bible that sometimes these things do work. Uh, you might remember King Saul uses a medium in 1 Samuel 28 to talk to the dead prophet Samuel. Uh, but the issue here is that they are disgusting things. Uh, they are not to be found among the people of Israel. For Israel are God's people, uh, and they have the law and the Levitical priests to talk to God. So they're not to seek God out in these ways. Uh, and that's partly why in verse 12 and 13 you see that they have to drive the nations out before them and God promises to do that uh, because these nations will corrupt them and bring them into these detestable practices. So we see Israel have all that they need for the promised land and they're not to go searching in all these other places. Uh, so they're sort of set up, uh, they're ready to go and it's here that Moses enters into this little, this little teaser for what life might be like in the future for them after they've been in the promised land. Verse 14, the nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Uh, God here is promising a new prophet like Moses. And so I think the question has to be, well, what's so special about Moses? Uh, why do we want another one like him? Uh, we get plenty more prophets in the Old Testament. Are they the ones like Moses or is there something else going on here? Uh, well, Moses is a very special prophet. Uh, he's a unique prophet in the Old Testament. Firstly, in that he interacts with God face to face. As he goes up on the mountain at Sinai and stands before God, he's the only one that had that sort of personal interaction with God. Uh, that interaction leaves him with a glowing face so that when he comes out and hangs with the other Israelites, he actually has to wear a veil over his face uh, because they get a bit freaked out by the fact that he's glowing, which is understandable. Uh, no other prophet deals with God like that. They all have visions or dreams, and so this makes Moses unique. I mean, it's, there is a big difference, isn't there, between interacting with someone face-to-face or sort of through other means. Merrin's dad uh, just headed off to England on Tuesday, and so now we're sort of left with having to FaceTime him every time we want to talk to him, which is great. Uh, it's a great technology. We get to see him face-to-face. But there's just something different, isn't there, about speaking over the phone or over FaceTime to him being able to, you know, chuck Isabella around and Claire around uh, and just see them physically and have a relationship physically with them. And so it is with Moses. Uh, he is this special prophet who has got to see God face-to-face and interact with him. But it's not just the mode of communication uh, that sets Moses apart from all the other prophets. We've got to understand that Moses is unique in what he has brought and what he has prophesied. Uh, no other prophet before or after him in the Old Testament gave Israel the law. 
this is the total instruction on how God is to interact, uh, how Israel is to interact uh, with God as his special people. Uh, no one else has done that. The guys beforehand, we had some amazing promises come, uh, and this mo- the law sort of helps fulfill those promises, but none received the law in its full expression like this. And the guys after are sort of all sort of playing catch-up. They're implementing the law for the people of Israel or telling them what to do now that they've broken it. Uh, and so Moses is unique as the prophet who established sort of the relationship that Israel were to have with God in the promised land. And so the idea of another prophet coming like Moses sort of brings in all these categories. We're going to have a prophet who's dealing with God face-to-face We're going to have a prophet who brings in this new change, a new way to relate with God. And from this point on, Israel is stuck as they wait for the prophet because they can't deal with God face to face. We see that in verse 16. This is what you asked the Lord, your God at Horeb, or Sinai, on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see his great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my word in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command. Uh, See, Israel would die if they went to face uh, God. And so the new prophet is doing what Israel can't. And that is to speak with God face to face and hear his face to face and to hear his direct speech. Uh, The prophet will be one who speaks God's commands to them. And he will establish something new in Israel, uh, which is exciting for them. And along uh, with this new prophet speaking the commands of God, I've also importantly see that God has got his back. Uh, anyone who doesn't listen to this promise, uh, to this prophet is in trouble. Verse 19, if anyone does not listen to my words, that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. Uh, like with Moses, if the prophet's words are ignored by anyone, God will call that person to account. God will judge them for not listening to his ordained prophet, the one through whom he speaks. And so God has got his prophets back. So if they ignore this prophet who is to come, they will face God's anger. And so Israel had to look forward to this new prophet. We've sort of got established, now we know what's going to happen in the land, we've got this little teaser here. Look forward to this new prophet who's going to bring something that's bigger and better to come. Uh, for now, Israel have the law and the Levites, but we've still got in the back of our minds something to come. And um, that kind of ends Deuteronomy uh, as far as what happens. Uh, they enter into the promised land, and as we remember from two weeks ago, uh, it was a total disaster. Uh, they entered in, they don't drive the people from the land as they're supposed to, and so the people become corrupt by all these pagan and disgusting and evil practices. Uh, the Levites themselves, who are supposed to be these mediators between God and man, become corrupt themselves. Uh, they don't do what they're supposed to do. They abuse their powers of the food that they're given by the other nations. Uh, false prophets rise up from among them, uh, whom they're supposed to kill, but they don't. And so again, they sort of just listen to what their itching ears are wanting to hear, and they're led astray. And so the scene is grim for Israel. Uh, they're not listening to the law of God, and they're not being mediated to God through the Levites. But we always still have in the back of our mind looking for this new prophet that is to come, the new prophet like Moses. And so fast forward a few seasons of Israel's life. Uh, 1,400 years after Moses, the prophet arrives. Uh, He has a very similar start to Moses. Uh, A tyrannical, power-hungry king seeks to kill him uh, from early on. And like Moses, he is a man who meets God face to face. Uh, In his coming, this prophet brings a new way of life, 
a new way of relating to God. We see this new prophet in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful hand. After he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Deuteronomy 18 told the Israelites uh, to look out for the prophet who would come uh, and reveal the will of God once again. Jesus clearly is that man, isn't he, the prophet? Uh, he clearly sees face to face uh, God face to face because he is the exact representation of God. Uh, he is God, and so he is the prophet who is seeing God face to face. Uh, Jesus is the one who comes, uh, in a way, brings the end of the whole series of human history uh, through what he does. Uh, he does this primarily through bringing a new way for people to relate to God. Uh, not just Israelites anymore, but all people might come and relate to God. I remember in Deuteronomy 18, we saw that the important part for Israel was that they were to be mediated to God through the Levitical priests. Uh, they said what sacrifices need to be done and then mediated with God on behalf of the Israelites. Well, we see in verse 3 that Jesus comes and he offers purifications for sins. Uh, he offers himself as a sacrifice for purifications for sins for all people, uh, a sufficient once for all sacrifice made. Uh, but that doesn't just end it. He doesn't just cover the debt that people are owed, uh, but he rises from the dead and then ascends to heaven. And we see there that he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is now there mediating like the priests on our behalf. Uh, Jesus isn't just the prophet but he's the ultimate priest who comes uh, and mediates for us. And in doing this, uh, he's established a whole new way of how we can relate to God. Uh, it's now that all about trusting in Jesus, putting our faith in him as the new priest and the new prophet that we can uh, be God's people and are restored into relationship with him. Uh, it's praying to him and begging for forgiveness uh, that he mediates on behalf of us uh, with God. And the impact that this has on us today uh, is that this is the way. Uh, we're in the last days and God has finally spoken. Uh, there's nothing else to come in a way. This is the way that we are to relate to God. Uh, you need to be trusting in Jesus. Uh, he's it. Uh, that's the end of the story. He is the only way in which we can relate to God. There's no other way. Secondly, uh, given that Jesus is the final prophet... Uh, we need to be reading what he has come and revealed to us in his word, the Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God all about Jesus, the Son of God. And that means, uh, if this is true, that firstly we need to be only listening to the Bible in relation to what he has to say about God. Uh, we need to be listening to the inspired scriptures to learn how we can know God, uh, and that's mostly about trusting Jesus. And secondly, seeing as we have this word of God, well, we have to read it, don't we? Uh, we need to be daily coming to the Word of God, uh, the very inspired scriptures about Jesus, so we can learn about the relationship that we can now have. Uh, we no longer, well, we have the law as part of that, but we now have the words of God there uh, to help us understand who God is and to understand that we need to trust in Jesus. Uh, I'm not sure how your daily Bible reading is going. Uh, mine usually sucks. Uh, I've been trying really hard lately. I've set up a new program that when I come to my desk, uh, the first thing I'm allowed to do, not allowed to look at Facebook or anything, I need to read the Bible first. Uh, that seems to be working for me at the moment. I don't know if we can share with one another what things work for us. Uh, I find it really hard to read regularly, uh, but it's just so good. 
even just one chapter, just to get into the Bible, uh, to hear God speak to us through his word, uh, to find out more about Jesus. Uh, So let me encourage you to do that. Uh, So Moses, uh, as he sort of finished uh, and, and died, left the Israelites with God's law, didn't he? They had the Levites in place to help them to relate with God properly, and the rest of the commandments to help them understand what life looks like as God's special people. Uh, likewise, and in a much fuller and better way, Jesus has left us uh, with the completed sacrifice of his own life uh, so that our, our debt of sin might be paid, and then he has risen again and ascended to heaven. Uh, he is now sitting at the right hand of God, mediating for us, so that if we trust in him, we might have a relationship with him. Uh, He's given us his word in the Bible that we can understand him uh, and know him through Christ so we know how to live as God's people and trust in Jesus. Uh, So our encouragement from Deuteronomy uh, and from Hebrews is that we might trust in Jesus. Uh, Let us read his word daily uh, that we might have our lives shaped by it, uh, particularly as we wait because there is one more season coming uh, and that is eternity with Jesus, uh, which we're going to find out about next week as we head into Revelation.